0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
3: We present a special general conference edition of A Woman's View. Amanda Dixon talks to the women and about the issues that make a difference in our lives. A Woman's View. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM.
2: I hope you're enjoying your conference weekend, and I appreciate your spending some time with me on a special edition of A Woman's View. This week, I am so pleased and honored to welcome to the program Representative Rebecca Chavez hauk is here. Hello, Rebecca. Good morning, Amanda. Glad to be back. It's such a pleasure to see you oh, again. And I'm delighted to welcome to the program Representative Becky Edwards is here. Hello, Becky. Hello, Amanda. Thank you for coming. And Senator Deidre Henderson is here. Hello, Deidre. Nice to see you. Good morning, Amanda. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I want to talk today in a general way, and I'm sure we'll we'll meander as we go, about faith and politics. And I suppose I'll begin, if it's all right with you, Rebecca, with Mm -hmm. did faith in
3: any way have an effect? on your decision to run for office? Yeah. Um, I've had the great opportunity to talk to people that are going through, considering becoming ministers in my faith tradition. I'm a member of the Episcopal Church, and we do these days of discovery where we talk about discernment and speaking to our baptismal covenant of serving and seeking Christ in all other, all other persons and doing his work. Um, and I talk to them about vocation, the work that we do in the community and how that is uh, part and parcel of living our baptismal covenants. And so, definitely, I would say that definitely, um, my spirituality, my faith tradition has helped me discern that this is part and part of what I do. Of course, there's other things that I do in my life, uh, that I feel, um, are me living my baptismal vows. But this is, there is a clear, there are clear words inside our baptismal covenant of how we are to serve and and seek justice in the world, and this is one of the ways that I do it. So yes, definitely, it has guided me. I consider this part of my vocation.
4: Did it did it guide you in your decision at all, Becky? Oh, absolutely. I I am a member of the LDS faith, and for me, um, I look to some of the legacies that we have in in our church and uh, great women, great leaders throughout. Uh, time. And really, I'm inspired and have been inspired by that legacy of service and the commitment to community to making things better. And that vision uh, that my faith has given me um, has really formed, I think, the framework for my service and framework for how I see the issues and my perspective on things. And it's been really a guiding light for me during my service as an um, elected official.
2: What about you, Deidre? Did it have an effect on your decision?
1: Well, yeah, it absolutely did. And I think I can join these other ladies in saying that my faith is the foundation for my life. Um, it also uh, is something deeply ingrained in me. I'm also LDS. And we believe that um that our our constitution and our government are inspired and that we have a privilege here um in America and that we have to be part of protecting that freedom religious freedom um our our uh, self-government those are very important principles to us as a as a religious people and very very important to me as an individual and so that uh, played a large part into me wanting to get out and and have my voice be heard and represent the people in my area in the United in the uh, Utah state So if it had an effect on your decision to
2: run, your faith had an impact on your decision to run, now that you're in the Senate, does your faith have an impact on the issues you pursue on the legislation that you support or write?
1: Yes, absolutely. Now, not every piece of legislation or every law is something that I personally believe I would take part in um, for example LDS people don't drink you know we don't smoke but we don't prohibit those things those things are still legal so um, yes it does provide that foundation but it's certainly not some kind of uh, uh, you know a theocracy right right does it
2: have an effect on the on the legislation the issues that you're interested in Becky
4: I think it really has for me the issues uh, that I feel most passionately about are those that deal with individuals who may not have um, as much access to uh, services. They may not have as much access to power and to really uh, represent those needs in the community and help lift, lift everyone to, so they can really be more self-reliant and have uh, a greater sense of uh, joy in their life. I, that has been... A guiding principle for me and something that has driven me towards certain areas of legislation. Hmm. What about for you, Rebecca?
3: Wow. Um, yes, in spades. I mean, I just um, the committees that I sit on, social services appropriations, and I sit with Senator Henderson on that one. Um, all of the issues that we deal with, the stories that we hear, the the voices of, of Utahns that come to us for uh, support for the services that help them get through their daily lives, um, and, and a lot of the bills that I run, um, are, are often a reflection of my trying to represent those in our community who are often the voiceless. They're the ones that can't spend days on Capitol Hill necessarily advocating on their own behalf and uh, and may not even know that the process is open to them. They are so isolated in terms of a separation between the people that are making decisions that affect them and and who they are. Um, so definitely probably less the bills. Well, the bills that I run, but also the appropriations that I work on and just uh, how we speak on the floor in, in floor debate, how we, the questions that we bring up in committee uh, with bills that come before us or requests that come before us. We are also always trying to think of whose voice is not here at the table in this dialogue, whose voice is missing. And we try to ask those questions not thinking about what, what they might be going through. Mm-hmm. I
2: need to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you, I mean, the title of this show is A Woman's View. And I, I want to ask you how, if at all, you believe that your gender affects also in addition to your faith, how does your gender affect how you function as an elected representative of the people of the state of Utah? My guest this week—what a what an honor it is to have Senator Deidra Henderson with me. Rep. Representative Becky Edwards is here, along with Representative Rebecca Chavez Hauk, and we'll be back in just a moment.
3: You're listening to a special General Conference edition of A Woman's View on KSL News Radio
2: a happy Sunday morning to you. Thank you for spending some time with us on this special conference Sunday. Representative Becky Edwards joins me with Senator Deidre Henderson and Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk. And we're talking about faith and politics on this Sunday. But this is a woman's view. And if they'll indulge me, I want to ask them this question that I'm sure they probably get annoyed with being asked. And so forgive me in advance for asking you, is there any part that is played in your role as elected representative by your gender. Becky, do you think that that, that's relevant? Or is that not even, is that a question that should not be asked anymore?
4: You know, I think it still is relevant. I think on on the um, Republican side in the House, we have 63 of the 75 members are Republican. And of those 63, there are just three of us women. On the Democratic side, there are 12 Democrats in the House and seven of them are women. So the Democrats do a better job, um, you know, at, at uh, representing women within their body. But as I look around in our majority caucus, and there are three, just three women, Representative Kim, Kim Coleman Representative Sophia DeCaro and myself. Along with um, 60 men, that's quite a minority. We are in a, a super, super, super minority mm-hmm. there. And why that matters is that I do think women do have a unique perspective on things. They have a unique uh, process that they that they go through in terms of uh, working with their colleagues. Women tend to be more collaborative. Women look at issues um, from a, from sometimes a different perspective because our our work as women. Um Both our work in the home and our work in the in the professional fields uh sometimes allows us to interact with a different group of community members than than men do and we rub shoulders with with uh, moms and people in schools and our communities, so our perspective is different we 're sometimes hearing different voices, and as we represent as we work to represent those voices it it deepens the discussion, and it broadens, I think, the perspective on the issues that we talk about. It's incredibly important, and there are lots of groups in the community, Real Women Run, the Women's Leadership Institute, and others that are making an effort to do outreach to women in the community and saying, your perspective matters, what you're doing right now, regardless of your age, regardless of your professional or work background or or home in your, in your home in your community— your experiences that you're having right now are preparing you for an opportunity to serve, and those are valuable experiences and something that could be real contributing factors uh, in discussions about state policy. So I think it's very, very important. Yes, so beautifully said. Senator? Well, I I uh, echo all of the
1: things that uh – Representative Edwards said, um, it's so important, I think, to have this different perspective. Women have a different perspective, whether we want to admit it or not. We do. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And there are so many times when my perspective adds a little Piece to the puzzle that wasn't there before. Um, I uh, in the in the Senate in the Utah Senate, um, there are six women total out of out of twenty nine. Three of them are Democrats, and three of us are Republicans. Um, but we have twenty four Republicans, and and three of us are women. So we have better odds, I guess, than the House does, um, but not much. And um, and and when I. Actually, when I was elected to the Utah State Senate a few years ago, I doubled the number of Republican women in the Utah State Senate. There was only one there at the time. And and one of the things that I found right off the bat is that my perspective, especially when I'm talking about policy with my colleagues, my male colleagues, they have their perspective and they it's not their fault that they don't have a woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. They're not a woman. Right. And that's okay. That's okay. But th- there was one issue, a tax issue, dealing with, uh, with the sales tax on food, for example, that they were talking about in, in a way that um, it, I had to finally say, look, I don't know how many of you in this room have actually gone grocery shopping with a calculator before, but I have and I want to share my perspective with you on how increasing the sales tax on food would affect women and mothers who are trying to feed thank their families. You. Thank you, Deandra.
2: Thank you. I, I, I just, I don't want to get emotional, but thank you. That is something that I know hundreds of thousands of Utah women needed them to know. And You're right. I don't blame them for not knowing, but it's just not an experience that they've
1: had. The beautiful thing about the Utah legislature is we're a citizen legislature. We all go to Capitol Hill. We work on laws. We pass laws. And then we all have to go home and live with the laws that we pass. And it's so important to have half of our population represented in those laws that are passed because we have to live with them. And, and one half of the population may not fully understand how those laws affect the other half of the population if they're not adequately represented. Mm.
3: Talk to me, Rebecca. Well. I don't know which more I can. I mean, both points were... Very well put. I mean, I think the only thing that I would add to it, and it is changing. Um, I think that we have more in our body, uh, both of our respective chambers, that are that are younger men, men that have um, that have been fathers that have shared uh, child rearing and and uh, managing household responsibilities. But to be honest with you, there are some that are in our August bodies who have not had those experiences. They've deferred to uh, their their partners, their their life partners, their wives to help them with those things, and I think. We do bring that per- that that perspective that Senator Henderson just provided of what it's like on a day to day basis to deal with some of the bill some of the laws that we pass and what that looks like from from a mother's perspective or um, a single mom's perspective for example we've got uh, some in on our body that have those perspectives which is. Even more unique, I think, and sometimes more challenging when we look at um, things that we impose and not understanding since we may not have those experiences ourselves. Um, that's what we hope to do as as women legislators is to say, let's bring all of the perspectives into consideration and how this is going to manifest itself in people's lives. Whenever we pass legislation or whenever we provide budget cuts, what does that look like in the life? Of our constitu- lives, of our constituents, and the families that are make up mm. our constituency. Beautiful. We've been talking about uh,
2: how relevant the gender of an elected representative is, and we've been talking about faith in politics. I need to take another break, but when we come back, I want to ask you: Is the faith of a candidate relevant? Do you take that into account as you're making a decision about whether to vote for someone? Should we? take that into account with my guest this week on a very special edition this conference weekend of a woman's view back in a moment
3: you're listening to a special general conference edition of a woman's view on KSL News Radio
2: a delight to have Senator Deidre Henderson with me this week on this special edition of A Woman's View. Representative Rebecca Chavez-Hauk is here and Representative Becky Edwards also. And we are talking about, in particular, we are talking about their work as elected representatives. And we are talking about politics and faith and how those two intersect. And I want to ask the question about whether we ought to consider faith in the people who are running
1: for office. Is that
2: a relevant question, Senator?
1: Well, I think the question of faith is relevant. Uh, Religion, maybe not relevant. But faith, yes, I I think faith is important. Um, I'll quote John Adams. He said uh, that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. So I think faith... Uh, regardless of what kind of faith it is, but faith in a higher power is very important to maintaining our freedom as Americans, because people of faith know that if they're maybe if they're not caught breaking laws here in this life, that maybe God will catch them in the next life. And so they're going to be held accountable at some point. Our religious liberty, our, or I'm sorry, our, our liberty a, 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 as a whole, in, in as Americans, our liberty is is really only protected because the large majority of the people of the United States are willing to abide by laws that really are unenforceable. They're willing to keep the contracts that they make. They're willing to keep the promises that they make. They're willing to not lie and to not steal and to respect other people's property. And I think that those are things that are taught in church. They're taught by by our faith and they're adhered to because we believe that we're going to somehow be held accountable for our actions here on earth even if we don't get caught here on earth because we can't as a government we can't catch and enforce every single thing and and so we have to we have to hope that our citizens will voluntarily obey those laws that are really
4: are not enforceable yes representative Edwards I do think it's incredibly important. It gives a, a perspective into the sort of the soul of the individual, their their belief system, how they view community members as brothers and sisters, and sort of a unifying factor that uh, we're we're sort of all in this together. That we're not islands; we are we are truly uh, part of one large, very very large family here in in the eternal perspective, in, in the religious perspective, I think. And so for someone to, who has faith uh, and is led by faith, I think they see the issues uh, differently. They're, they're colored by that. Those core beliefs and values uh, lead both to a sense of morality, but also lead to a sense of community and y- unity. Um, and there's less of a sense of otherness When you have um, a faith-based perspective on things, you you don't see things as uh, maybe your your core little group, and then other people. You see uh, issues as impacting all of us, and that there is a sense of unity. I think those color how you govern. I think they cover how color how you lead, and I think they're incredibly important because they are the core values and principles that drive everything. They are the basis for all decisions that a a leader makes, and I think it's really relevant.
2: May I ask you a follow-up question to that? Knowing that so many of our uh, elected officials, our legislators, both nationally and locally, are people of faith, why is there such a sense of separation between the constituency and the elected leaders? why i mean why are the approval ratings of, especially on a federal level so abysmally low if faith would lead an elected official to act in the best interest of their constituency i don't understand
4: Yeah. And I think that that's really some of the big frustration that people have, especially on the federal level, is that lack of perspective of some of those some of those issues. And I think when politics becomes more uh, pervasive in decision making, then you really do lose some of the the uh, the sense of cohesiveness in a community, cohesiveness even as a country you know and and that has led i think to a lot of the divisiveness we see in this election cycle on a federal level as uniformly you you talk to people and there is disappointment there is real sorrow i i hear from people everything from disgust to just real heartbreak over the state of the election cycle we're in right now and i think a lot of it isn't necessarily based on on the policies that are being discussed, but they're really being based on uh, the the process and the way that people are treating each other, the way that that our potential elected officials are treating us as citizens, and creating a sense of otherness that is is was not intended by our founding fathers, was not intended by any of our founding documents, and really doesn't move us ahead. So. There's a lack of perspective. I want
2: to come back to that question as soon as I get your your response to the first one. I, so, I want to come back to that question, though. So
3: I'm glad you asked this question because I think that although faith guides me and it's part of who I am, it's not the only thing that guides me. And I think that um, this is probably the area where maybe we might distinguish ourselves. I don't think faith should be uh, a you know something that. Um, that distinguishes a person as someone who is to be a good legislator or a good policymaker or not. Um, there are many secular humanists in our community. There are people that don't identify with any, uh, organized religion who are deeply moral, who have, who have amazing moral compasses that have been refined on their, whatever experiences they may have and they may not be, you know, they may not consider themselves religious or maybe even spiritual, but they, but just who they are um, provides them with the foundation of being very good leaders in their community. And sometimes they're the people that are working for our various nonprofit organizations, or maybe they're out in the community on the streets, working with the homeless or working for the most marginalized people in our community. So um, while that is part of who I am, Um, I don't necessarily believe that that makes a person uh, a better legislator versus another. And I would even argue that in some cases, if people take their faith um, and and put it in a place uh, where they're not using it to listen to their constituencies, that sometimes they are working against uh, the will of of the people um, based on their own interpretation of what their faith is telling them to do, that sometimes it can be harmful. So um, I think it's about... How we discern our own spirituality and how we manifest it as as public officials, um, and then always being mindful of our First Amendment um, uh, provision that tells us that there is religious liberty, that there but there also is not establishment. So we have to be mindful of those in our community that aren't um, that do not ascribe to any faith tradition. And I feel sometimes that I have to be a voice for them um, too because uh sometimes they're not heard sometimes they feel that they're isolated or they're excluded from our s- states functioning as as a government because they don't ascribe to a religion one way or another so um i i i have to say that i don't necessarily agree that it's a black and white uh answer on that necessarily not that i'm saying that my colleagues have just said that but i'm just saying yeah. i want to be mindful that that doesn't necessarily say that you are um, someone that should be considered one way or another, whether you're ascribed to a faith or not. Can
2: I ask you to respond to something Becky said about talking about the, the way that people are feeling, particularly mm-hmm. during this election cycle, and that there is a sense, whether you are a person of religious belief or not, of dis- disappointment that that is almost to the level of anger in mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. you know this is our country and our el- elective process mm-hmm. couldn't we make it a more civil and if you'll forgive me for using the word loving process mm-hmm. if we
3: wanted to right. what uh, what are your thoughts about that well i i think that there has been uh an echo chamber that has kind of cultivated this feeling of that that people aren't listening to each other um i i'm I'm disheartened by that because I think – when I think about my colleagues here and others that we serve with, that we really try to be responsive when we try to listen to our constituencies. Um, but we maybe – obviously, there's areas for imp- improvement uh, Across the different jurisdictions, across the levels of government, and we'll work towards that. But I, but I am disheartened when I hear that people are disappointed that they don't think that their their government is listening to them, that they don't think their representatives are listening to them. Um, and and what I would do is kind of put it back at them and say, Have you communicated with us? Have you shared with us uh, what your feelings are? How what you would like us to work on? Uh, because I think sometimes people don't realize that they can send us an email or that they can call us or they can approach us in the grocery store and say, you know, this is something that I care about. This is something that I would love to have you work on, on my behalf, on our community's behalf. And so there's a two-way responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I often talk about, I teach up at the University of Utah in public administration, and, and I talk about the oath of office that we take as as elected officials. But there is an oath that exists within the governed and that they also need to take the responsibility of engaging in conversation in a civil discourse with each other and with their elected officials if they want to see change occur in the way that they are seeking. Mm-hmm. Senator Henderson, what, what do you think? I mean, we're talking about this this
2: anger, and that does not feel right for, for people of any uh, faith and really for any American.
1: Well, there is a lot of anger out there, and I've noticed it a lot over the last few years, and it seems to be really bubbling up a lot, this this election cycle in particular. And I don't blame people uh, for being angry and for being frustrated with what they see uh, when they see national figures pitting each other against, you know, one group against another group. And And I really think that we can agree or we can disagree without being disagreeable. And and I and I think sometimes that that's a perspective that the women tend to have. I mean, we can look and listen for, to a large degree. I mean, everybody's different, but but I, I have found that in my female colleagues a lot, and also in some of my male colleagues. But but that we can listen to someone else's perspective and respectfully disagree, and respectfully articulate why we disagree um, without the name calling, without the rhetoric, without pitting one group against another. Uh, I I think that that's. That's the key, and that's where we're maybe falling short, at least on a national level. I love state politics in that people have access to us. They have a lot of access Mm -hmm. to us, and they can actually contact us. They can call us. They can text us. I get texts while I'm sitting on the floor of the Senate about to take votes from constituents Mm -hmm. saying, oh, my gosh. Let me tell you how this bill is going Mm -hmm. to affect me. Please don't vote for it. This is a perspective that I didn't know about. I don't know what I don't know. And so if a a constituent doesn't tell me, then I don't know. So I love the fact that we're accessible. I love the fact that we uh, can can listen to our constituents and can make the changes necessary. Are we going to please everybody? Absolutely not. But we can do what we need to do without being nasty.
2: I love your perspectives. Thank you so much. Uh, this week on a very special edition of A Woman's View, we have Senator Deidre Henderson is here with Representative Rebecca chavez hawk and Representative Becky Edwards back with one more segment talking about faith and politics in just a moment.
3: You're listening to a special general conference edition of A Woman's View on KSL News Radio.
2: Thank you for spending some time with me on this special Sunday. This week, Representative Becky Edwards is here with Representative Rebecca chavez hauck and Senator Deidre Henderson on this wonderful Sunday morning. And we've been talking about a number of issues, but focusing on the intersection of politics and faith. And you were talking about something during the break, Representative Edwards, about how you cannot please everyone all of the time. And you did something during the session. Would you
4: share that? You know, in the last few days of the session, things get a little tense the the uh, hours are long, and the issues start to heat up a little bit and and it's difficult sometimes to remember to trust in the process that everything's going to be fine in the end. And uh I saw a, a little quote come across my e- email that said, you cannot make everybody happy. You are not a jar of Nutella. <laughs> and one of the last days of the session I saw this, I thought, oh, this is just perfect. I, so I printed out the quote and got little mini jars of Nutella and put them on the desks of all of my female colleagues and thought, this is just what we need to hear on day 44 <laughs> of the legislative session as a reminder that this process is messy, but it can – and, and usually does work on a state level because uh, we, we work together and we can collaborate.
2: And it's worth doing, it,
4: even absolutely. though you cannot
2: please everyone. Your intention is in the right place. You listen to everyone. And then you do your best. Correct, right. Senator?
1: Well, absolutely. Um, I, one of my favorite quotes from, from one of my favorite senators in the, in the Utah Senate, uh, David Hinkins, he, he was on TV once doing an interview. And they said, what, what's the purpose of having a legislative session every year? And he says, well, the good thing about having one every year is we can fix all the mistakes we made the year before. Mm-hmm. And, and that is part of the process. And we do need to have faith in the process, as Representative Edwards said. It's a great Process. It is not perfect, and it's certainly run by imperfect people. Mm. And uh, none of us—well, hopefully, none of us—would ever say that we were perfect or that we did everything right because we don't. We're fallible. We're human. We make mistakes. But that's what the process is about. It's 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 a continual thing, and we can we can make up for that the next year, hopefully. Um, but I would love to point out that we in Utah—we may only have a few women in the Utah legislature—and we get knocked around a little bit for for. Uh, I don't know, not being friendly to women or something. And I just want to point out that Utah has a long, long tradition and history of being friendly to women's rights. We had uh, the men in our state voted to give women the right to vote in 1870, 50 years before the 19th Amendment was ratified and giving giving the rest of the, the women in the country the right to vote. We had the right to vote. We had uh, leaders, early leaders, uh, female leaders in our state, Eliza R. Snow and Emmeline B. Wells who were leaders in the women's suffrage movement. Emmeline uh, B. Wells was buddies with Susan B. Anthony, she went and fought for women's suffrage on a national level, and so we we should be proud of that, and we need to not forget that Thank we have that. this wonderful tradition. In I our love state.
2: that. But before the time has gone, may I ask you this? Because I know that there are some uh, who might be listening and have never considered, or considered mm-hmm. and then been discouraged by. But what would you say to a woman or the husband of a woman listening? Mm-hmm. Um, How could running for office, expressing her voice, be an expression of her faith,
3: Representative? Well, you know, one thing I would speak to is that... um I remember when I was first elected and I took my oath of office, I got this wonderful note that my daughter, who was probably 17 at the time, wrote to me. And I have it on my desk, and it um, it just it, she just says, you know, congratulations, Mom. You are such an inspiration to me. I hope to be able to do half the things that you're able to do for people in our community. And I'm just so proud of you. And I think sometimes people worry that when women run for office that they're going to be taken away from their families. And that they're not going to be able to live up to their other commitments to in their lives. And, and I would just speak to women out there and say, think about the example that you provide to your children, both your male and your female children. My son feels the same way about it. Um, that, that you provide a different role model to them in this new in this new role that you provide. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes women feel that they have to do everything perfectly. Um, and we can, we can speak to ourselves and say it's not about being perfect, but we know in our daily lives it's about sometimes just getting things done. And that's the way we operate on the hill. We operate on the hill about getting things done the best we can. I mean, they say you only teach a
2: child three ways. Example, example, example.
3: Yeah. And so this is, I mean, I would just implore women to not think it's an either or type of thing. You are an example to your children and to your community and to your spouses. Um, you know, you can, we, all of our spouses are, they provide Support for each other, and uh, they're they're supporting us. They're amazing. We wouldn't be able to do it without our families. The
2: time is almost gone. Sorry. But Becky, uh, share with me how could running for office be an expression of faith?
4: I think that um, as as everything you do is an expression of your core, your personhood. Running for office for many women is just a natural extension of who they are, of the kinds of commitments they've had in their families, in their communities, within their church settings. And it is a natural extension of that, a natural sort of next step, another opportunity to serve. And I think when you look at it like that, that there are lots of opportunities and ways and platforms for women to make a difference. This is simply another one of those. And
2: you said from the beginning, Senator, that you felt that you had a voice. And I, I would encourage other women to express that voice, and that might be part of their faith.
1: Absolutely. And running for office isn't the only way to express your voice, no, no. right? I I was a stay-at-home mom. Well, I still consider myself – I'm still a stay-at-home mom. I, I, I do this part-time, and, and uh, before that, I worked for Congressman Chaffetz from my you know, home office, and technology is a wonderful thing. But um, – What I what I believe in is is the options and choices and all all of these things are available to people if they would only just take them and and there's a time and a season for everything. Um, I I did nothing but wipe noses and bottoms for 13 years, and I loved it. I loved it. That's what I wanted to do. And I wouldn't have been able to do this at that time. But uh, there are lots of different ways to serve your communities.
2: I'm inspired by all three of you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. Please come back and see me again. Enjoy the rest of your conference weekend. And we'll see you next week on A Woman's View.